is Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast, brought to you by footballindenmark.com. Hello and welcome to Danish Dynamite. We're back after a long winter break to finish off the season. We're about halfway through and figured it was a good time to put out another podcast. Unlike any of the podcasts I've done before, I don't actually have a guest today. So you're just going to be listening to me and I have no idea whether that's going to be good, bad, success, failure. But I'd love to know what you think of the episode and whether me just rambling into a microphone is of any interest whatsoever. (laughs) But I thought what I'd start with is talking a little bit about the trip that I did last week. So uh, with the resumption of the season in mind, I had planned to head over to Denmark for the the kind of first round of fixtures back. And there looked like some tasty fixtures amongst there, including Viborg versus Michelin, which is probably one of the biggest derbies in Danish football. After after the Copenhagen derby, it's really up there. And so that grabbed my attention instantly. Uh, And then also Silkeborg versus FC Copenhagen, two teams towards the top of the table, both playing nice, exciting, attacking football. That looked like a good game. Uh, And I'd heard great things about Silkeborg and the stadium there in particular. Then I also saw that there was an interesting game up in Northern Jylland, AGF heading over to Alborg to play Olby. And that looked like another another great one to, to go. And as they were initially scheduled, it looked like there was a game on Saturday, a game on Sunday, a game on Monday. So I thought, perfect, managed to, managed to get a, a pass for three days away, which uh, is no mean feat, believe me. And uh, booked up the trip with a, a friend of mine, Alex, who is based in Copenhagen. So I thought, great, we can, uh, we can head over to Jylland, a place where I've never watched football before. I went there once for, for work, but I felt it was a place with a lot of historic clubs and a lot of great stadiums. And so felt like the obvious next trip for me. So had that planned. The game that was due to be on the Saturday moved to the Friday uh, and that kind of took it out of the equation. But as the as the Friday arrived and I was sort of getting ready to pack my bags, I saw that Storm Otto was, was closing in and uh, that looked like Alborg and, and Northern Jutland was the, the almost the epicenter of, uh, of, of the storm. So there were strong feelings that th- that game might get cancelled or might get moved. Uh, but flights were being cancelled in Denmark and uh, perhaps glad that I wasn't heading over there on the Friday just because it looked like there might be some some quite serious disruption. On footballindenmark.com there's a full write-up of the trip that includes everything not just the football but all of the the other stuff around it so I would urge you to go and read that if you've got any interest in it whatsoever but for the sake of today's podcast I'm going to focus mainly on the football. Uh, and as I mentioned, the focus was very much on Yuland. I flew to, to Copenhagen uh, and the next day, uh, Alex and I met up and took the train over to Aarhus. And, you, you know, Denmark's quite a small country. So going well, across the entire country practically only took about three hours. And we arrived in Aarhus, uh, a place that is really well situated for lots of football in, in, in Yuland. They obviously are home to AGF. But from there, you can get to Viborg, you can get to Herning, you can get to uh, Ranners, you can get to Horsens. So it felt like a really good place to base. And it's also the second biggest city in Denmark. Really cool, vibrant place with with lots of great bars, restaurants, places to hang out. So uh, it was a lot of fun just uh, exploring the city a bit before we jumped in a car with Jakob. Shout out Jakob. I know that he's a a listener of the podcast and a Patreon. And he very kindly took us to the Silkeborg game where he was going uh, to support FC Copenhagen in the away end. 
first uh, impression of the stadium was that it's it's a it's a really uh, peculiar design. It's sort of got this wrap around it that looks like corrugated iron uh, with these big, very, very kind of iconic floodlights sticking out of the top. And on the inside, it's got you know, multicolored seats so that it, it doesn't, you know, if there's any gaps in the crowd, and there weren't many gaps when we went, but if there are gaps, you can't spot them as readily. And the way that the stadium's designed, it's got a, a very small lower tier and then a much bigger upper tier. And the reason for that is, you know, when you're on the lower tier, buying your beers, buying your hot dogs, whatever it is, you can still see the pitch perfectly from there. So it's a, a really nice stadium design uh, and with an artificial turf as well. Um, that's something uh, that, that we'll maybe get into later. But yeah, the game itself... Uh, had a fantastic atmosphere before the game. Nicholas Hellenius, who was obviously the Golden Boot winner, uh, star striker last season uh, in Silkeborg's uh, fantastic bronze medal effort. Uh, he returned. He do- he was obviously sold in January to, to Alborg, and he returned uh, and got a really nice reception from the crowd. Uh, and the away fans packed out their section. Uh, were very noisy. Had you know drums, flares, banners, all the all the usual stuff. And so the atmosphere was great. The match itself. Uh, FC Copenhagen went ahead through a, a Christian Sorensen free kick that he sort of curled over the, the the top of the wall and in. And I spoke to him afterwards, actually, and he said that he was having a conversation just before the free kick with a new signing, Diego Goncalves. And those two are the sort of the free kick takers. And he said, look, I think the keeper's a little bit far off his line. Like, let me have this one. I think I can, uh, if I can get it over the wall, I think we've got a good chance of scoring. And sure enough, it went in. So, um he uh, he'd done his homework there, uh, and that was the that was the opening goal. And then in the second half, Mohamed Darami c- combined with a, a fantastic one-two and slotted it in the bottom corner. And you know that's something that uh, I, I feel that that was a, a big part of his game in his uh, first spell at Copenhagen. And when he came back, it looked like he'd been shorn of that confidence and wasn't able to to finish in the same way. And so seeing him produce such a such a high quality goal was uh, was definitely pleasing for his long term prospects. And then the the third goal was a bit of a disaster from Joel Felix, the the Silkeborg central defender. He he tried to head it back to the keeper, misjudged the header, put far too little power on it, and that left the ball sort of in no man's land. Lucas Leria jumped in rounded the keeper slotted at home and at 3-0 that was pretty much game over so the game played out finished 3-0 FC Copenhagen were were buoyed by that result they are very much in the title race I think just the the depth of their squad and the quality they have and the fact that you know they don't have any European competitions now for the rest of the season gives them real impetus to go and push for that so this result was a real shot in the arm for them and afterwards we made our way down the tunnel and spoke to some of the players. Camel uh, Grabara, uh, who did his interview in English, which was kind of helpful, uh, given he's, he's Polish. Um, that was the sort of the, the common language there. And he was just absolutely exuded confidence. It was it was quite funny. He came out, he shook everyone's hand very politely beforehand and then sort of took to answering questions. And you get the impression that footballers answer the same question a lot of the time or similar questions a lot of the time. And it, he doesn't seem like someone who has got time for platitudes. So he gave very straight answers. He was asked things like, does this result put Copenhagen in the title race and he said what's changed since last week someone asked him do you have a message for FC Norgeland and he simply said why would I have a message for them Um, (laughs) I asked him about whether playing on the artificial turf was something that he prepares for especially and he said no why would I prepare for 
a game that only happens a, a few times a season. So I thought, okay, <laughs> that's told me. But no, it was uh, it was it was cool to to speak to him and and, uh, and be part of that um, that interview process. I also spoke to Christian Sorensen and I asked him about the turf, and he, he gave me a bit more of an in depth answer. And he was saying that you know the ball moves so quickly, you have to be quite careful not to put as much zip on your passes because uh, they water the they water the surface as well before the game, so the ball really does move on it. He said he much prefers playing on a hybrid, but that you can adapt your game fairly easily to to the Astro. So it's great to speak to him, and and also I asked him about the winter break and you know what it means for uh, for a player who has to stay so kind of physically and mentally sharp over such a long period. You know the winter break is over ninety days. Uh, I, I worked it out as twenty six percent of the year uh, is the winter break. So for, for a professional athlete, that must be quite difficult. Uh, and I said to him, you know, what do you do? And he said, look, it was so necessary to have a break from the game and, you know, physically, mentally. And I think that one thing that uh, I perhaps hadn't realized was, you know, his move to Copenhagen happened quite quickly. And he was very quickly thrust into, you know, one of the biggest teams anywhere in the region. Uh, he was playing Champions League football. Uh, he was fighting for a, a, a place in the, the starting eleven. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, presumably moving his family halfway across the country. And uh, he was, you know, he, he's had a, a second baby over this winter period. So he was obviously uh, preparing for that as well. And so for, for him, he said it was a really useful reset. He didn't watch any football, didn't watch the World Cup, didn't watch a single minute of the World Cup. Uh, and, and he said, you know, when he leaves the clubhouse, he leaves football behind him uh, and he's a family man. And his focus, uh, as soon as he leaves the clubhouse, is about being a dad. And then uh, as soon as he comes into the clubhouse, he's you know, fully focused on being a footballer. And I quite like that separation of, uh, of work and home. And I think that it's, it's quite important in life in general, but especially so for a footballer when it's so high pressure. So uh, that was great speaking to him. And then I also spoke to Kent Nielsen, uh, who uh, always gives such, uh, such warm answers and, and uh he was very reflective and sanguine on the result and said, look, you know, when you're playing against the team with so much individual quality, you get punished for every little error. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of what happened today. I think he, he said there were stretches of the game where he felt they were, they played very positively and, you know, that they, they continued what they normally do in terms of dominating possession, dominating passing uh, and playing their style of football. So they didn't bend on that. But I think just in terms of yeah, the individual quality, it, it really showed. Um, we went back to Arus that, that evening and the next day I went for a wander around town with Patrick, a massive AGF fan out there. And he took me to the stadium. We found a, an open door uh, and wandered through and were you know virtually on the pitch I mean we didn't we didn't step on the grass obviously but we were wandering around the athletics track you know looking in the stands and it was really great to see such a such a big stadium uh up close and and, and personal uh, unfortunately wasn't able to, to catch a game there obviously but it, it is a really iconic stadium I, I know it's one that divides opinion a lot amongst fans I think that the fact that it's got that big running track does take away from the uh, from the experience that fans get and they are planning to build a new stadium on the same site. Uh, so the stadium in its current iteration isn't going to be there for long. So it, it was certainly good to see it uh, before it goes. Uh, I would still like to go and see a game there, obviously, but it, it, it was cool to wander around Arus and, and, and see uh, see the stadium 
And yeah, that evening I jumped on another train and headed to Viborg, which is about about 40 minutes or an hour away uh, west of Aarhus. And yeah, it was uh, a really beautiful town, uh, fairly quiet because it was a Monday. And I met up with Glenn and his brother, Mikel, two Viborg fans who, who showed me around the city and uh, told me about some of the history. We then joined the fan march to the stadium, which is uh, something that uh, I experienced up in Manchester with the FC Copenhagen fans. All the fans meet at a, a designated place and then march through the streets to the stadium, singing songs, uh, you know, holding up banners. And it's a really it's a really cool pre-match ritual. So we did that, made it to the stadium. And the stadium's quite uh, quite an interesting design. It's sort of housed in this much bigger complex that has, I don't know, shops, offices, uh, all sorts of other bits and bobs. And they've got a, a fan zone in place outside. I think that was one of the first times they did that. And the fans seem really excited you know, it's it's impossible to buy a uh, a V-Borg shirt anywhere at the moment. They've sold out completely. They brought out a third shirt that sold out within about an hour. Uh, so people are buzzing for for football in V-Borg at the moment. And, you know, this was a derby game. So you can imagine the fans were really up for this. There were no away fans. Uh, there was some there was some trouble with the away fans uh, the, the, the last time this fixture was played in Viborg and so uh, they were banned and you know that was a shame I think that a derby game is always made by the fact that there's there's both sets of fans in the in the stadium and so not having one half of that is definitely it takes away from the experience but I don't think that it affected the players because you know on the pitch Mitchell and absolutely blew Viborg away uh, it was a 4-0 victory Ashur scored in the uh, in the first half, a new signing from Egypt. And I think people, you, you know, uh, didn't necessarily know much what to expect from him, but two goals in his first two games. And he looks very bright and very, very interesting. His his first goal, actually, midweek before was a lovely long range effort. And that's uh, part of his game that he has. And also something they they lost when Evander left because he loved a long range effort. So I think uh, bringing that skill set in is, fills an obvious gap for me. But really, the story of the game was in the second half when, in a 21-minute period, Gustav Isaksen scored a magnificent hat-trick. The first goal was on the break. Christopher Olsen uh, showed some some great pace, cut the ball back, and Isaksen hit it into the top corner with his side foot, and it was a, a really, really nice finish. Second goal, he cut it on his left, trademark uh, finish, curled it into the far corner, a really delightful goal. And the third goal was just something special. The ball dropped at the edge of the box and he smashed it left-footed on the volley. It crashed off the inside of the post and went in. And 4-0 was really slightly flattering, but it was a really emphatic victory. And I think that Isaksen is just showing people what he can do. He's he's had some real standout performances this season, in particular a Europa League game against Lazio uh, that certainly turned a lot of heads. And I think that the question for him is always, can he do this consistently? And uh, I think that if he can, if he can keep up the sorts of performances like this one, uh, he's going to get a, a big move in the summer, unquestionably. Afterwards, I I, I spoke to him uh, briefly and 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 asked him uh, about the goal, about whether whether scoring that first goal kind of gave him the confidence to shoot in those other two situations because he was quite far out both times. And he said, "Look, going into the game, he knew that he'd." had many occasions recently where he'd perhaps dribbled when he could have shot. And so he made a conscious decision this game that he was going to shoot more and, it, it, you know, it paid off in spades for him. 
Also spoke to Eric Sviatchenko, who's uh, a really interesting character. You know, he's a kind of larger than life uh, captain figure. He had obviously played in Celtic before. Uh, so his English was really, really good. And yeah, he pulled up in the second half with a, a bit of a, a bit of a thigh strain, I think. And he said, look, you know, he was suspended for the first Europa League game. So he hadn't got those high intensity, real competitive game minutes in his legs yet. Uh, and so uh, it was just sort of a, more of a precaution than anything but both he and Isaacson actually were not getting ahead of themselves not talking about the title just talking about the need to get into the the top six the championship group in order to give themselves the best chance to to then kick on uh, because it would be an absolute disaster if they missed out on the championship group so we left Viborg uh, and it was a you know great experience of both matches really the kindness and generosity that, that everyone showed us was just really fantastic. And now I think the overall experience at both of these games, from a, a fan perspective, from a, a football perspective, I, I just wish more people would get into watching the Superliga and realise what a, a fantastic league it is, what a fantastic fan culture it has, uh, and how exciting a league it can be. There were some other key results that weekend, that first weekend back. Uh, Lingby came back to rescue a point against league leaders FC Norgeland. This was, you know, a top v bottom clash. Norgeland went ahead through Fagir and it looked like they were going to hold on to a 1-0 victory and, and Lingby rescued a point. And I don't think they have any real chance of staying up, but it was really spirited performance to keep on knocking until the last minute and, and come away with a point. So huge kudos to them. Uh, AGF on the Friday night played, as you can imagine, with Storm Otto hitting an incredibly windy game away from home at Alborg, and they won 1-0. Uh, I think Storm Otto can probably credibly claim the goal. Mikel Anderson floated in a corner, and the wind essentially carried the, the ball into the net, uh, and that was the only goal of the game. So AGF took the three points there and were, were probably quite glad of the blustery conditions. I think if that was going to favour any team, it would probably favour them. And the other really sort of interesting result from the weekend was uh, Bromby came from 2-1 down against Horsens to win 5-2, another big emphatic win on the weekend. Valleys scored a hat-trick uh, and looked like one of the signings of the of the season, I think that he was really Pombi's star performer in that first half of the season, and he's hit the ground running where he left off, really. So that kind of wrapped up round 18, but of course, there's been another round of action since, and it would be remiss of me not to talk about that on, on this one. So round 19 that, that has just gone had a number of standout results as well. You know, FC Norgeland bounced back from that draw and, and really put together a resounding victory on Friday night against Obi. It was 4-2. Fagir scored a brace and it's really encouraging to see him get back regularly on the scoring. He, For, for those who don't know, he came through the ranks at Vila and was really sort of one of the the, the biggest young talents uh, in the league and at 17 got snapped up by Stuttgart uh, last year. And never really made much of an impact there. I don't think he got given much of a chance. Uh, and so he came back in the summer to Norgeland on loan, really to sort of rebuild his confidence, rebuild his reputation. And he wasn't getting many chances before the the winter break. But uh, since the winter break, he, he's been thrown into the limelight and he's really come up spades, uh, three goals in two games. And he looks really, really dangerous. This uh, the, the, the goal that he scored on... Uh, on Friday, the first one, received it on the outside of the box uh, and 
it was just a beautiful turn and left-footed shot into the bottom corner. So really good to see him back. And then, of course, uh, Marcondes also scored uh, his first league goal since returning. Uh, and Ernest Nuama, who is you know, surely going to go in the summer, he scored as well. So that they were firing on all cylinders and uh, a, a really encouraging performance for their for their title prospects i think that after their their, their draw in round 18 uh, people were thinking maybe you know is the the loss of sheldrop going to be uh, too significant for them to overcome but no, they look like they are going to fight till the end for this title there was some more last minute heartbreak involving lungby but this time they weren't on the uh, they weren't on the protagonist end they they lost 1-0 to Ranners with a, a, a last minute goal by Bungard and yeah it was a, it was a nice finish but again painful for for, for Lungby but Ranners just have that knack of being able to to grind out results and they are in the mix for the for the championship group it, it, i think there's a three or four teams who are vying for that kind of that final spot and they they're very much up there so that result will will get them closer to that FC Copenhagen Managed a 1-0 victory against Alborg. I think they had something like 24, 25, 26 shots. So the result was perhaps a bit deceiving, but they, they got the job done in the end. And yeah, and they're the most informed team in the league at the moment. Unsurprisingly, Alborg are the worst form team in, in the league with five losses in their last five games. And you, you wonder what's going to happen with Eric Cameron. He, he just hasn't seemed to, to get a tune from, from the team. In the first game back after the winter break, Souza, Fossum, uh, both missed out backies, uh, also uh, weren't in the starting 11. Uh, there were some rumours that some senior players had complained to management about him. For this game in round 19, he brought them back and Souza looked like the most dangerous player out there for, for Alborg, but they couldn't get it done. Tony Adamson also rescued a last minute point for Silkeborg against AGF, uh, a lovely uh, near post header and again he's a player that I think I, I, I'm really big on for this second half of the season I think in Hellenius's absence he's going to be really key uh, I actually asked Kent Nielsen how does he fit into the system given you know Hellenius was the 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 linchpin of that attack uh, and he said he's obviously shorter so he, they can't use him in the same way as a as a target man but he's got some skills that that Hellenius doesn't have necessarily he's got searing pace and so he can play off that last man uh, in a different way and give Silkeborg a, a different threat. And, you know, his goal uh, against AGF was a, a lovely header. So, you know, he, he's clearly got some aerial ability, but I think that what he can bring to the team uh, is really exciting. So uh, watch this space on Tony Adamson. Will he be the, the golden boot winner this season? Probably not, but I think that he uh, is going to be very much in the in the golden boot equation next season. Uh, and the final result that was really worth shining a light on was uh, Bromby upsetting FC Michelin away from home in Herning, and they played superbly. And at, at times, you know, when I was when I was watching, I actually thought they were playing at home half the time because I was just like, the way they're playing is just like a home team would, so calm in possession, so controlled. Uh, and they came away with a one nil win, courtesy of a goal from Ohi after some. Great work by uh, Evjen, the new signing that they brought in from AZ Alkmaar, Norwegian guy. And 
I don't know if it was deliberate or not. If it was, if it was deliberate, then it was an incredible piece of skill. But he sort of does this three sixty pirouette and and plays the ball through to Headland, who crosses it into Ohi. And yeah, uh, Ohi is just developing a knack for scoring those those classic number nine goals, just being in the right place at the right time. And that was exactly what Bromby needed when they brought him in. So so fair play. But yeah, uh, lovely skill by Evian. And I know people are, are very big on him, so he's a very interesting player to watch. So the table, uh, kind of as it stands, has, has Norgeland still in first, Viborg hanging on to, to second place, FC Co in third, and then behind it, there's uh, only six points separating fourth from tenth place. So I guess the interesting moves from this last weekend are that uh, Bromby are now up to fifth. Uh, so amazing what a, a, a win can do for you. Uh, so they're up to fifth, Rana's in fourth, uh, and Michelin make up the, the the sixth team in the championship group. So all to play for there. And meanwhile, Alborg are uh, eight points adrift from safety at the in in 11th place uh with Lungby below them so yeah it's really uh all eyes that this next weekend are going to be on uh what happens with with Alborg and what happens with Horsens above them and you know can uh can that gap uh be extended or reduced uh it remains to be seen there's a couple of other big games happening this weekend that I think will be worth keeping an eye on I think uh Viborg Randers is very interesting second playing fourth Two teams who are situated fairly close together ge- geographically, so I don't know if this one counts as a derby or not. But um, yeah, that should be a fascinating encounter on the pitch, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, some of Viborg's new striking options uh, play, especially Paulinho, the Portuguese guy, has come in uh, with a, a very nice record from the uh, from the Portuguese second division. So it'd be interesting to see see how he performs. Uh, and then, of course, we've got El Plastico. Silkeborg versus FC Norgeland, the two teams with synthetic pitches. They there is a plastic trophy uh, on offer for the winner, but more than that, this is going to be a tricky game for Norgeland away from home. Silkeborg are in eighth, but I think that underplays. You know, we, we all know what Silkeborg can do, and uh, th- they are of course only three points away from the the top four. So this is uh, this is going to be a high stakes encounter, Norgeland. Of course, have only lost twice this season, so very, very hard to beat. Uh, they've got the the best defensive record in the league, and they've scored the most goals. So this isn't going to be easy for Silkeborg, uh, but I think that watching uh, watching them face off is going to be fascinating. So keep an eye on that game. And yeah, that wraps up uh, w- what I'm sort of looking out for 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 round twenty. I've got a a special guest for the podcast next week. Uh, don't want to reveal who it is just yet because sometimes these things fall through last minute, but rest assured, you're not going to be just listening to me rambling on next week. But yeah, it was an interesting experiment just sort of talking into a mic for half an hour and uh, about Danish football. And hope it was interesting. Hope you got something from it. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, and yeah, I will speak to you next week on Danish Dynamite with a special guest and look forward to reflecting on uh, a great round of action. And just as a as a heads up, if you're watching or wanting to watch the Superliga from outside of Scandinavia, the OneFootball app has all the games streamed for free uh, in HD. Gone are the days of having to find a betting website and watching the game on a, a screen the size of a postage stamp. So that's been a great addition. I also want to thank everyone who has become a Patreon. I'm really honoured to have you guys as supporters. And if you want to 
join and become a Patreon and support what I'm doing on football in Denmark, please head to patreon.com forward slash football in Denmark and join. You can follow me on Twitter, of course, at football in DK uh, and head over to the website footballindenmark.com and check out the long read about this, the, the trip that's just been. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun writing and reflecting on uh, such an awesome trip. So yeah, thanks for listening and I will catch you all next week.